Hi, welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Morning Brief. I'm Leah Waltz here with Tone Vase. Just a quick mention, you know, Stephen Hawking's passed away um, yesterday. Just taking a moment to acknowledge for sure that, you know, he did contribute a lot uh, under very difficult circumstances. So um, just an acknowledgement to that. So Tone, what's up? Yes. How are you doing? Good, good. I had uh, some minor technical difficulties last night getting my show out, but it, it's out. Uh, a few more comments about global warming. I'll probably bring you an entire crypto scam episode, though it's not exactly crypto, but it's heading in that direction. Apparently, all of the people in crypto seem to be climate experts as well. Uh, so it'll be fitting. Uh, we'll get that out to you eventually. Uh, other than that, everything's great. Awesome. All right. Well, everybody loves your price. So let's start with a price story about what Circle is up to. So Circle rolls out, rolls out crypto investment app in 46 United States. So uh, they're a bit of a cross between Coinbase and Robinhood, and you can buy the popular cryptos since they've acquired Poloniex. What do you think about the product they're rolling out? And can they compete with Coinbase? Well, they can definitely compete with Coinbase uh, because Coinbase is just a rolling ball of incompetence. Uh, we'll get to that one later. But so, the, I mean, anyone can really compete with Coinbase because um, anyway, Coinbase just I, the quality of their development is definitely questionable. So um, I'm not sure what Circle is doing, right? Because Circle came on the scene talking about how easy it will be for people to buy Bitcoin and use Bitcoin, right? And then Circle disappeared from the scene by famously saying that there's no business here. Uh, no one is buying it from us because Circle, you know, they could they couldn't compete with Coinbase. Um, and then they said that they will still use Bitcoin on the back end, which made absolutely no sense because sending Bitcoin remittance is just silly because you're adding adding a layer of complexity, and now you have to go in and out of fiat two additional times, and it makes absolutely no sense. Which is why every remittance attempt in crypto has failed spectacularly. Um, now Robinhood comes out, they make a bunch of head waves. Oh my God, free trading, which again is kind of silly. Uh, so Circle wants to get back in the game. So they went ahead and bought Poloniex. Mostly I think they wanted to have control over the shit coins. Uh, they wanted to have control over uh, the shit coins because they realized that the real business isn't selling people Bitcoin. The real business is selling people uh, complete and utter garbage. Uh, which kind of fits since Goldman Sachs bought them, who are famous for selling people complete and utter garbage all throughout 2007 and 2008, right? So um, it makes sense. I mean, personally, I think that Circle business model was their first business model failed. Their second business model failed. And they still had money. They still had runway. They still have like financial connections. And now they're going out at a third time by trying to create a cross, like you said, between uh, free exchanges capitalizing on incompetent traders and selling them complete and utter garbage in the form of altcoins. Can they succeed in this for a little while? But in the end, they're going down. All right. Well, they're still in the early stages, so we'll definitely see about their adoption, as you talked about. But with Goldman behind them, there's definitely big bucks to roll it out and also a solid and very targeted customer base. So on to our next story is about Coinbase having another slip up. <laughs> as we just mentioned. So Coinbase controversy continues. Faulty SegWit implementation, index fund launch, and new tax tools. The article is explained exactly by this title. And it explains 
that uh, none of them are seeming to work well. So, Tone, what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, this story just broke the other day where uh, Coinbase has apparently had a really bad SegWit implementation uh, where you, through the merchant app, where you're sending uh, Bitcoin, you're thinking to a SegWit address, but on the back end of Coinbase, it's being sent somewhere else and no one really knows where it's going, uh, but it's somewhere in the Coinbase system. They're sending it to an address that they are still generating. They're just, somebody screwed up and generating SegWit addresses. This is not a problem with SegWit, contrary to the conspiracy theorists and the cesspool uh, known as RBTC. Uh, so this is completely seg- uh, Coinbase issue, not a SegWit issue. And... Um, I mean, Coinbase probably has already fixed it. And uh, like the article says, people have already gotten their lost Bitcoins back because they weren't actually lost. They were just, you know, they were lost within Coinbase's system. So either Coinbase refunded people the money and then they're going to go and track those coins down for themselves uh, or whatever. Um, Again, this just goes to show you that you need competency in this space. And I'm continuing to be amazed how Coinbase has not yet been hacked. But so far, so good on that front. Uh, but if you guys are using Coinbase, good luck. Uh, as far as the other two go, I mean, I blasted them for having that index fund back when it was announced. Um, I mean, diversifying Bitcoin with a bunch of trash is not going to make it any better. Uh, not to mention, uh, you're not really... I mean, I like the fact that you're competing with uh, GBTC and Barry Silberts. But unless you can get regulatory approval to go public with the ticker, that doesn't really matter. So um, I don't like the fact that uh, Brian Armstrong uh, continues to hate Bitcoin, uh, but he's forced to use Bitcoin because that's what's actually making him money. Uh, So it creates this insanity where I'm sure he believes in Bcash and Ethereum more than he believes in Bitcoin. And um, I don't find him to be that bright as to understand uh, why Bitcoin remains his number one you know, what makes him makes his business continue to be relevant, yet he keeps trying to push uh, scams uh, onto people. And because he's able to push scams onto people, what we have is companies like Circle coming in and saying, hey, we want a piece of this. And uh, like, instead of being leaders in the space and uh, explaining the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum and why one is technological nonsense, uh, he seems to have embraced Ethereum and things like Bcash. So I continue to be disappointed in people that are supposed to be leaders in the space. Yeah, for sure. I see a big difference typically between good leaders, good managers, potentially Steve Jobs being a fantastic example of being a great leader and a terrible manager. And it just in this, I'm not seeing either. Makes no sense for me with their backers, with their capital, that they keep messing up. So maybe our next story, a push for decentralization, will provide something better. So world's largest crypto exchange, Binance, to launch decentralized trading platform. So Binance is saying that there will be no actual exchange. It's simply software that will allow two people to trade between themselves in a decentralized way. So therefore, you don't risk. Uh, people losing your money because you're not keeping it on the exchange. My opinion is that this does sound like a great thing. However, the other decentralized exchanges that have been around for a while listed here, right, have not caught on yet. So hopefully Binance will because they're the largest exchange in the world. 
Tone, what do you think? Well, uh, what I think is that Binance, <laughs> Binance is creating some serious competition to both Circle and Coinbase and every other exchange because they ICO'd and this is like, like this is how crazy it has gotten, right? So because Binance ICO'd, they have an, un, they basically went public to the unqualified investor with the security. So Binance has significantly more money and significantly more capital than any other exchange on the market because of their ICO. And the more wishful thinking and the more bullshit Binance will tell you that they're planning on doing, the more it pumps their unlicensed, unregistered security. So in a way, this is genius. You can literally eliminate all your competition from existence, like Poloniex, like Circle, like Coinbase, like any other exchange, because the more you promise, the more you pump your token, the richer you get, the more you can promise and the more you can show that you're working, right? So you can hire like a developer that costs a million dollars a year because you are now running a billion dollar company because the, of the speculation of your unlicensed unregistered security. Uh, this is why uh, securities have so many laws around them so that what Binance is doing can't happen. Uh, so we'll see where this goes. Uh, now, I have been very critical of decentralized exchanges and other shows throughout the years. Um, I, I don't understand how Binance can possibly bring you a decentralized exchange, considering Binance will always be responsible for the decentralized exchange. So if something goes bad on a decentralized exchange, Binance is actually responsible for it. And therefore, how decentralized is it? How is the decentralized exchange going to pay for itself? I'm assuming with their Binance token, which is, again, only there to pump the token. So um, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Like the whole, it's going to get even weirder and weirder and weirder. But sure, they can promise you whatever they want uh, because their goal is to pump the token. Right, which only trades on the Binance exchange. For now, so yeah, but I don't see why. It, it's, it's not about to be traded on other exchanges, right? But remember, if another exchange adds the Binance token to their exchange for trading, they are basically like, it's like putting yourself out of existence, right? Because the more liquidity and the more uh, credibility you as an exchange gifted a Binance token, the more you are making yourself irrelevant because the more that token is relevant, the more money Binance has to compete with your business. Sure. <laughs> we'll see if they pump it too. <laughs> so let's follow. All right, so, right? As we just said, Binance did their ICO, Binance Coin, which only trades on Binance Exchange. So now let's talk more about what else is happening in the ICO world, right? Big story. So Google to ban cryptocurrency ICO ads. Right, so this paragraph pretty much sums it up. Let me bring it up. The, Oh, actually, we had to switch from Business Insider to Bloomberg, so it's not right here. So, But in, in, in Business Insider, it said, the new policies, which come into force in June, ban advertisements for binary options and cryptocurrencies and related content, including but not limited to ICOs, cryptocurrency exchanges, cryptocurrency wallets, and cryptocurrency trading advice. I wanted to include that because it's more comprehensive of actually what they are banning, which, which is a lot. So this is actually a simple story because it's binary. It's quite black and white, ban them all. 
right? The message is that in Google and Facebook's interpretation, after looking at all the ads that they've been running in the crypto space, that the vast majority have been scams and they just simply aren't going to do it anymore. So I will probably get a lot of slack for this one, but after literally not sleeping and trying to figure out exactly my thoughts on this, my opinion is that it will be a big help for Bitcoin because it will speed the demise of the scams. I think that Bitcoin, the king, will come out on top because the community is creating great products and developing the Bitcoin ecosystem. So moving on to that, Google and Facebook and anyone else that does this is painting the entire crypto ecosystem with a very broad brush and it absolutely can be seen as overreaching. Tone, what do you think? I actually agree. Uh, I agree because, God, so many people like texted me like, Tone, do you know BitConnect is advertising on your YouTube channel? And I'm like, well, not, I actually didn't know that. Uh, but what do you want me to do about it, right? Like, like, is it my job to call Google and tell them that they're advertising a scam? Uh, it's your job. And people didn't do that. And instead, people invested in BitConnect. Like the BitConnect situation alone. And go back to my episode with David Silver, the lawyer who is has a class action lawsuit against BitConnect. And I talked about it with him. I'm like, so how liable can companies like Google be because they advertise they allowed BitConnect to advertise everywhere. And how do you guys expect Google to go and vet every single company that wants to advertise on Google? I mean, they, they can't do that, right? I mean, they can't spend so many resources. They have billions of people, billions of companies trying to like advertise on them. They even said they pulled like what, how many, uh, a couple of like over a billion ads that they had to pull. I mean, everyone wants to advertise. Everyone wants somebody else's money. You can have no product, you can have uh, no company at all, but you can, uh, you know, borrow some money, create an ad, and scam a bunch of people. And the so many scams are taking place in the crypto space that Google just said enough. And the thing is, Bitcoin doesn't advertise. Like this is a huge positive for Bitcoin. Like, like, like there are no Bitcoin advertisements because, like, like, what am I, am I going to pay Google? uh for an ad to advertise for bitcoin what the hell am i gonna say like uh, like uh, and i could be liable for that so they're just banning all kind of speculation in general um so binary options has nothing to do with bitcoin uh you could do binary options on bitcoin but you can binary options on pretty much any financial asset they're banning those ads as well so they're not like specifically going after the crypto space they're going after the unregulated space that's fueled with uh very speculative investments because they um, google also want to protect their consumers right and google has probably got a a lot of complaints from you know regular joes watching on uh, uh youtube videos and like well you add you allowed this advertisement to roll left and right and we got scammed so and they probably took that sector because they probably had the most complaints and they did it now uh this actually brings me to a comment on cliff high uh in that i have mentioned uh a couple of shows now that uh, if you don't like Cliff's High's report, don't pay for it. You know, like you're buying it at your own risk. Now, so people have commented saying, "Well, how come you don't? How come you don't feel that way about ICOs?" Right? Um, you, you, you're being. Uh, people are accusing me of being hypocritical when I say, "Hey, um, I don't want to stop you from buying a Cliff High report. Like, if he tells you what's in it, go ahead and spend a hundred bucks." If you want to read it, go read it. No one is stopping you. And people are like, well, how come you don't have that attitude for ICOs? And the answer is because you don't get to resell 
Cliff's High report as a security later on. If you spend $100 on a Cliff High report, that's it. Uh, you can't like go and resell it for more money. You're not speculating on it. Even if you believe that that report is useless, you can't like resell it and pump it up and make more money off that report. That's the big difference. But every single ICO works this way. That's the difference. Huge, huge, huge difference. I can't believe people don't understand that. Yeah. Right. I'm just going to add one last thing, right? That uh, speaking to CNBC, Scott Spencer, who is Google's director of sustainable ads said, and this is in alignment with what you were saying, we don't have a crystal ball to know where the future is going to go with cryptocurrencies, but we've seen enough consumer harm or potential for consumer harm that's in an area that we want to approach with extreme caution. It's very diplomatic. And again, just mentioning, right? YouTube is obviously a Google product, so that may be interesting, but given Spencer's statement, potentially in the future, they may change their stripes on this if the ecosystem changes. So we'll have to follow, but you right. know where I stand. So yeah. No, uh, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, again, whose responsibility is it to stop a tulip bubble? Whose is it, right? Because the majority of the people are not interested because they want to sell the tulip to someone else. Now, some people believe that Bitcoin is also a tulip, but it's not because there's actually technology behind it. And, and it's going to get, you, you You guys are going to find out, right? Like, like to me, Bitcoin is the ground that the tulips are growing out of. It's very, very important. Uh, but the tulip itself has no value, right? The ground does. Bitcoin is that ground. And all of these ICOs are different color tulips that you think are going to be able to continue growing value. Right. So speaking of value, our next story. Dragon Mint T1 Miner with ASIC Boost is awesome, but here's the problem. The title says it all. The problem is that neither has an advantage over the other, which I will bring up in a chart. And Slush Pool CEO Jan and Jimmy have discussed this with you. So pulling up this chart very quickly. Okay. Some people were afraid that Dragon Mint Miner with ASIC Boost would totally monopolize mining. But this chart here that I'm pulling up shows that there's no real advantage in terms of speed or cost. Tone, what are you seeing in this chart? Okay, so this is actually really, really interesting. Uh, let me um, let me pull it up on my end, actually. Where is it? Where did it go? Sorry. Oh, no, there it is. Okay, cool. Let me throw it up on my screen so I can see it big. So this is interesting, right? Because remember, the Dragonman Miner is going to cost, um, what is it costing? Like 35% more than... Uh, the AMP Miner S9. So even though the Dragonment Miner is significantly more efficient, uh, it gives you more hash rate, uh, it does cost more upfront and it uses more electricity, right? So your electricity cost is actually a little bit higher and the upfront cost is uh, potentially significantly higher. So it needs to make up for that. So, um, I mean, this comparison chart, like the profitability, I mean, $200 versus $2, that may look like a big difference, but in reality, uh, it all depends on the price of Bitcoin. Like, like this is what fascinated me, right? Like, like the, the part that you have to look at in that chart, and maybe you can highlight for people, is 12-month mining output in terms of Bitcoin, okay? And you can see how in terms of Bitcoin, um, the Dragonment miner is going to make you about, uh, what is that, point... Uh, 
uh, less than 0.1, right? So about 0 0.075 uh, extra Bitcoin, which doesn't seem like a lot. Um, and like, I, I don't understand these numbers, right? Because my miner is significantly weaker than um, either of these. And um, it, um, oh no, wait, 12 month output was 0 0.04. Yeah, uh, no, no, that's about right. Um, uh, my, my miner has made me um, probably about, probably shouldn't say it, but uh, maybe about 0.2 in, um, in less than a year. Uh, and it's and it's like hot, and it's like a seven terahash, right? Uh, and, and I screwed up setting it up. Uh, took took me like a month or two delay. Probably cost me a bunch of money. So look, it's all about how much Bitcoin is going to be worth. So, and also, do you have another competitive advantage, right? So that extra point one Bitcoin that you could earn if you hold down to that point one Bitcoin an extra six months, that point one Bitcoin could actually go and be worth a few thousand dollars. So in the end, you have to buy the latest miner. Even, even though it's not as profitable, the moment you buy it, you, you have to upgrade your equipment because your other miner will continue to give you less and less competition until it's totally useless. So um, even though like it's priced this way for a reason, right? They're not going to sell it to you and give you a huge advantage. I mean, they want to, but that's not how technology works. Uh, the point is, if you're going to be mining to hold on to that Bitcoin as long as possible, ideally, you hold on to that Bitcoin a year after the miner has become obsolete. And then that Bitcoin goes up in value. And uh, so, yeah, so I am looking forward to the Dragon Mint. And I probably would buy one as a hobbyist especially if you have some kind of an electricity advantage. Uh, if you uh, own a property with socialized electricity, you can throw one miner in there, uh, which is what I do, and then it kind of goes unnoticed. Um, so that's kind of my view on it. Your thoughts? I think I'd like to go straight into price since we're talking about <laughs> price. <laughs> so for that, which is interesting to me, for six days, Bitcoin has traded between 8,400 and 9,600. So Tone, which way is it going to break out? Up? We're down. All right. Let me do some screen share. Finally get to the price. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I did not even really look at it this morning, but not good. I mean, I did the show last night. Bitcoin was about 91, 9200. I expected it to be in no man's land uh, for a little while. Uh, we are now coming to the bottom ends of that no man's land. Uh, so as you can see... Uh, this triangle that I drew yesterday, this yellow guy, is um, yeah, it's not not great. Um, so uh, we already have that nine, uh, which is a nine is a double-edged sword, guys. In this environment, in the current environment right now that we are in, the nine is a double-edged sword on today's daily candle. It's not a perfected nine. That's why the arrow is light green instead of a dark green. What will make it a perfected nine is if the low for today's candle uh, goes below the candle with the number six on it from three days ago. So if the intraday low goes lower than 8428, 8,428 bucks, this nine will be perfected. But you also have to check on other exchanges because every exchange uh, has a slightly different price. So on other exchanges, this could easily be already perfected nine. So what does it mean? It means a couple of things. Um, it uh, a nine could signal 
a reversal in trend. Uh, the nine could also signal a um, it can signal a reversal in trend. It can also signal the beginning of a new downtrend. Now, usually, what happens when you get a nine is a one to four day correction or a one to four candle correction, and then you're supposed to reevaluate um, during that one to four days. Okay, is this a short term reversal because it just got too low? Or is this a uh, a serious reversal? So look at the difference between the current nine and the last nine. I usually save these more advanced um, price talks for my evening shows. But look, look at the look at the last time we had this. We kind of went straight down. When you go straight down, the nine day trend was literally straight down, and then it reversed on one day earlier, but it reversed on an eight. Uh, this time around, we kind of got stuck. We didn't go straight down. We started going straight down with the first three days of the nine-day downtrend, but then we slowed up. And the majority of this nine-candle down momentum was not straight down. So because the majority of the momentum was not straight down and it got caught in a range, there's actually a higher probability that this nine will lead to potentially more downside, okay? In addition, this nine is coming to us on a weekly chart that is on the edge of going bearish. So if next week we get a lower intra-week low than the current week, the weekly chart will potentially start a brand new uh, nine-candle week to the downside like we did back uh, the week of January 8th. So if that happens, that's more reason to consider this nine on a daily to you know, lead us into a countdown to 13. Um, the, the triangle support is holding us up a little bit. I don't know if this will hold. Um, you have a bigger triangle in the making. There, there is still a, a decent chance that we're gonna stay above 7,800 and go up. But with every day of weakness, uh, it, it gets scarier and scarier. We are now below the 200-day moving average that's been holding us up for a couple of days. Now, I'm not saying there is a shorting opportunity here yet, and you should never short on a nine-buy indication. Uh, this is where you expect a one- to four-day bounce. But if the bounce over the, over the rest of this week is not sufficient enough to take you above the 50-day moving average, uh, the conditions are starting to brew for some significant downside, taking us to a lows below 6K. It's too early to speculate on that yet. As long as we remain inside the bigger triangle, which as of today has its lower boundary at 7,600 and its upper boundary at uh, what is this? Uh, 10,800, let's say, or 10,700, right? So, as all and, and it's gonna tighten. So, let's see where it goes. That was a bit winded. The RSI is not looking good, it's bearish on a daily. The MACD is not looking good, it's bearish on a daily. Um, there's really the only positive I can see in Bitcoin right now on a daily is the fact that I have a nine buy based on this indicator. Um, but that's only gives me confidence in a one to four day bounce. It's not giving me confidence to go to new all time highs. So let's keep it there. 
Uh, here is the four-hour chart. Uh, the four-hour chart is giving us, uh, just like the daily nine is giving us a bounce, uh, the daily chart is on a countdown 13, which, again, could give us a little bit of a bounce, but I don't like it. I mean, look at the four-hour chart. It's consolidating uh, and not swiftly re rebounding off the lows of the closing candles of the four-hour chart. Uh, granted, we were significantly lower in early February, but the current swing is not looking good. The 50-period moving average continues to decline. Uh, things are starting to deteriorate here. Oh, that's the NASDAQ. That was from last night. Uh, here's the one-hour chart. Uh, the one-hour chart is on a six of nine, so maybe on a uh, being held up by the setup trend line. Um, and uh, let's see if that will hold. Uh, so maybe in about three or four hours. Like there are conditions for a short-term bounce. Is it a tradable bounce to the upside? Maybe, but you have to keep it on a very short leash because the downside uh, could be swift. You can see the volume uh, was somewhat elevated uh, during this last uh, last few hours of downswings. Uh, I like these, uh, you know, lower wicks, but they need to. Uh, you still need to trade above that, right? So based on an hourly chart. Unless we are trading on an hourly basis above, um, what is this? Um, I'll split the middle here. Above 8,750, uh, there's really nothing to consider as far as even short-term bullish trading opportunities. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, a little more detail on a price analysis today. But hey, like I've been saying the last few days, once you have a daily nine, there is a lot more to talk about than when you are literally in the middle of nowhere across all metrics. All right, sounds good. You all heard it. And you know I study hyperwave tone and, and Tyler is now having me calculate your system by hand these days, which is uh, uh, not the easiest to do, but uh, definitely Wait, he's, he's making He's making you do the sequential by hand? <laughs> yes, yes. Why, why, why the hell did I spend all this time and effort making code so people don't have to do that? <laughs> um, and just mentioning, right, uh, his phase three hyperwave is at 8,300 and we're thinking it's going to hold, which is totally in alignment with your analysis. So prior to me calculating it by hand later, um, I'm happy to hear your thoughts that you just mentioned. But buyers, buyers, where are you guys hiding? Um, hopefully you come out later today and everybody, thanks for watching. All right. Hey, don't forget to check us out on the audio WCM podcast. Thanks, World Crypto Network. Everybody have a great day.